This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from our studios in Tallahassee, the epicenter of politics in the middle of nowhere. As expected, the Florida Senate votes to uphold the governor's executive order, removing Scott Israel from his elected position as sheriff of Broward County. It's a relief for the Parkland parents, but it's also a troubling precedent that expands the governor's suspension powers in ways that have never been seen before. The Florida Department of Health is tracking 70 cases, including one fatality, of that mysterious lung ailment that's been plaguing people who vape instead of smoke. But the state surgeon general says they still haven't found the real culprit behind the illness. Florida's Silver Alert System celebrates a birthday. More than 2,000 of those alerts have been issued over the past 10 years. And today on Sunrise, we go one-on-one with Peter Schorsch, the founder of FloridaPolitics.com. We'll also have your daily political calendar and the latest in the continuing saga of Florida men, or in today's case, Florida women. And now, the top stories for Thursday, October 24th. The Florida Senate votes to uphold the governor's executive order removing Scott Israel from his elected office as sheriff of Broward County. It was an emotional debate. Most of it went down party lines, but a few people crossed over, including Senator Tom Lee, who broke with his fellow Republicans because he says they're violating the fundamental principles of American jurisprudence. This is the United States of America. We're a nation of laws. We're all innocent until proven guilty. And we're all afforded due process. It's the way our country works. It's very difficult to stand here and have a conversation about what has transpired here in the last week because I know that this case has already been adjudicated in the court of public opinion a long time ago, at least outside the four corners of Broward County. Mr. Israel is an unpopular figure, and his deputy Peterson is even more unpopular. But none of that changes the due process he's entitled to by this Senate, by our special master. And I would uh, hasten to add, Nicholas Cruz is going to be afforded that process. Why should we not also give it to the sheriff? What we do here today is now a part of legislative lore. It is precedent. But no one has ever been able to to provide us with a case where a sheriff duly elected by the people of his or her county has been removed from office for the single act of a single deputy on a single day. Never. But Senator Aaron Bean says there has never been anything like this before in Florida. Never before causes us to take never before action. Never before action is, is holding law enforcement accountable. Never before is sending a message. Yeah, yeah, we're going to send a message. We will send a message to all law enforcement. When you take an oath to serve and protect, Florida will hold you to that oath. And so, members, when we send that message, if you vote as I will, and I'm asking you to vote to, to hold the sheriff and the law enforcement accountable, when we do that, we are going to send a message. To all law enforcement, we will hold you accountable for that oath that you take. And the message with that yes vote on upholding the suspension will be never again. And Senator Rob Bradley says this is all about holding law enforcement accountable, which frankly is something you rarely hear from state lawmakers. None of the eight sheriff's officers who were on campus when gunshots were fired, none ran to the sounds of the gunshots. 
when a weapon was being fired and lives were being lost, when it mattered most, everyone wearing a BSO uniform failed. This is not an individual failure. There was a complete institutional failure from the sheriff's office and this leader of that sheriff's office. The final vote in the Senate was 25 to 15. So Israel is out, but he's already said he'll run for the office next year. The head of the state health department says they're tracking that mysterious lung ailment suffered by people who use electronic cigarettes to vape instead of smoke. But Surgeon General Dr. Steve Rifkes is telling Florida lawmakers they still don't know the actual cause of the malady, which resembles chemical burns in the lungs. No specific cause for this vaping-related lung disease has been identified. We know a few things, though. So first, individuals with vaping-related lung disease, they have been generalized, generally young and otherwise healthy. Uh, these symptoms develop over a relatively short period of time. You can have respiratory symptoms, which can include cough, chest pain, shortness of breath. You can have gastrointestinal symptoms, such as abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. And then also systemic symptoms. Individuals can feel tired, have fever, have weight loss. The Department of Health noticed a spike in vaping diseases that began in the spring, and Rivke says the stats in Florida are part of a national trend. In Florida, we now have 70 cases. This has involved 21 counties. We have one individual who has succumbed to this. 69% of the individuals are male. Of concern, 8% are minors. The age range goes from 15 to 72 years of age, and the average age is about 24 years of age. This is quite similar to what is seen nationally. 49 states have uh, cases of vaping-related lung disease. There are 33 deaths involving 24 states. 70% of the cases are male. And again, 16% of these individuals affected are minors nationally. Vaping is about more than just nicotine and fancy flavors. It's also a favorite among Floridians who have a medical marijuana card. But is it safe for those patients? Consider the following exchange between Dr. Rivkes and State Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith of Orlando. Medical marijuana uh, in Florida is very tightly regulated with exquisite quality uh, control. This is very distinct from these unregulated products that have been reported to be associated with lung disease. For individuals who currently are users of uh, medical uh, marijuana, we recommend that they have a conversation with their physician to determine what is the best uh, means for them to be able to take uh, the, this product. You said that um, vaping products with THC in it from the legal medical cannabis industry in our state is tightly regulated. Um, could a, a patient in the state infer from that comment that using legal uh, vaping products that include THC in Florida is safe? The distinction between uh, very tightly regulated quality control versus illicit products is paramount. So absolutely individuals should not be using any illicit THC products. Lawmakers still haven't figured out how to respond, but they know the problem will only get worse. It's been 10 years since Florida set up the Silver Alert System to notify the public and ask for their help when a senior citizen goes missing. Looking back over the decade, Mary Barnes with Alzheimer's Community Care says they have good reason to celebrate. This incredible program was established more than 10 years ago. 
And in this decade since this program is established, there have been tremendous successes and lives saved. More than 2,200 civil alerts have been issued in Florida through the lifetime of this program. And that's 2,200 lives that have been saved. Someone's mother, someone's father, someone's sister, someone's brother, someone's cousin, someone's neighbor, a loved one, or a dear friend. These lives are precious, and no one can put a value on a frightened and vulnerable human life. We have the Florida Silver Alert to thank for saving them. Florida has long been known as a retirement mecca, so it has more than its share of seniors. And Richard Prudhomme at the Department of Elder Affairs says many of them suffer from memory loss. There are an estimated 560,000 people living with Alzheimer's disease in Florida. That, of course, that number does not include the tens of thousands more with other forms of dementia like Lewy body, vascular dementia, or Parkinson's disease. And nor does it include the 1.1 million people who are informal caregivers of these individuals. It's not just the individual who suffers, families are affected. Whole family structures and dynamics must be adjusted to accommodate someone living with dementia. It is important that we support families who are doing all that they can to ensure their loved ones with dementia remain safe and well. And the Silver Alert program plays an essential role in that. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody says the Silver Alert system has saved lives by galvanizing entire communities in the search for a missing senior. What we celebrate today and what we honor is that Florida was proactive in instigating a program that not only uses law enforcement, FDLE, but it uses people in our community because we have highlighted an issue and they help. When an alert goes out, they let law enforcement know if they see someone and they help as part of the community in reuniting them with their loved ones. This silver alert and the success of the silver alert saved, saved over 2,000 individuals. 2,000 lives were saved. 2,000 families were united. It is a true testament uh, that what can be done when you put great people together to solve a problem and that are committed to a cause. One technical note here, silver alerts are not just for people 60 or older. It also applies to younger adults who have irreversible mental health issues. Welcome back to Sunrise, and our guest today is Peter Schorsch with FloridaPolitics.com. Now, Peter, every day we start this show with the standard line, Florida Politics, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF. Mm -hmm. The who is you. That's very kind of you to say. And the why? What's the why? I love Florida politics. I love the, the I love that we're a country, basically, uh, by itself. And so I feel like you know, it feels like we're almost like Europe, uh, a country in Europe where we've got our own special set of rules for us, governing us different than the rest of the state. None of the trends that you see in other places match up here. And so it is a exciting challenge to always be engaged in that. I love the give and take. Um, you know, I, I love being involved in a Lebanese street fight every day with people on Twitter, um, you know, arguing about things. I like you know, I, I still believe in, um, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington wow. style of public service. Okay. Which we don't see much around here these days. No, we don't. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a West Wing fan. I'm a Aaron Sorkin fan. I believe in that kind of, uh, of America still. And especially on progressive issues, I think where you and I probably have some shared philosophy, whether it be race, whether it be um, gender equality, whether it be choice, um, whether it be you know advocacy for the LGBTQ community, I feel like if there's any, if I can move 
some of the center-right people that probably follow us closely, if I can open up their eyes a little bit on these issues, I feel pretty good about that. Mm, a lot of folks don't like their eyes opened up here in the Hill. No, no, no. They're they very don't. comfortable with where they are. Yeah, it's and it's difficult to be in, in the middle of it because, you know, you're never going to be – I'm never going to pass the litmus test for the liberals. Uh, my wife and I both run into that problem. We're, you know, we're centrists um, and we're never we're never pure enough for the for, left side. For either side, actually. For other side. Centrists are, are so out of fashion these yeah, days. Yeah, but the Republicans will take you though. You know, they're still interested in building the team. They know how to win. And so just because uh, you're not pure doesn't mean that they don't have a spot for you on the team if it means that the team will win. And um, we're seeing that in D.C. We certainly see that in Florida. And so it's easier for me to always navigate in Republican circles, I think, than it is Democrat circles. Why a podcast, though? Well, it's for me, it's like blogging was 10 years ago. It is definitely the technology that du jour. Um, I can see where it's going. You know, the idea of no barrier to entry is attractive to me because it's it, a it's cost effective. Nobody can tell you no. You know, we can get you know, we can do a podcast about Florida politics in the morning and nobody can tell us no. So it's it's the only limitations are how hard you and I are going to work at this and whether or not the audience is responsive to it. And since we are blessed with a a captive audience that is that is hyper focused on the topic that we love to talk about Florida politics, you know, we know our audience so we can reach them. We don't have to have 50 million listeners to be successful. We right. just need to have a, a few thousand. And so we're not burdened by that. And so this is a, a great this is like a a creative endeavor. And so it's, you know, why just as David Simon makes TV shows or JJ Abram makes movies, you know, I like to make new media, um, whether it be blogs or email newsletters or podcasts. You're also one of the few people that's actually made a run at this and is, you know, not, I'm not sure how much money you're making, but you're in business. And that's more than most of the mainstream media folks can say right now. Well, you, you have to look at, it's not a big business and that's where I've landed. It is, this is, there's no difference between me and the pizza store down the street. This is my small business. I am opening it every day, I'm working 18 hours, and then I'm sweeping up uh, the restaurant at the end of the night. And so, no, we're never going to be, we're not going to be Gannett. We're not going to be some large company. I think maybe there would, I could see where there, we would be attractive to somebody buying us eventually, the, especially the Florida politics brand. But it's, this is a family business. That's what this really is. This is my wife and I, our money. And I always tell people, you know, my, you know, when I do my taxes, they're like, oh, wow, you brought in X amount of money. And I'm like, yeah, but that's basically just a, it's just right back to 95% of that. It goes right back to reporters, journalists, podcast hosts, et cetera. Right. So. Big difference between the gross and the net. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I did the independent thing for many years. It's like, yeah, yeah, you can make a lot of money on paper and still be dirt poor. It, You know, I, I, I don't want to cry poor because we're blessed with what we're doing. And we have figured out a – uh, a, a, um, an angle to this where, again, we know our audience, I think, better than newspapers know their audience. I think that that's one of their their failings is I don't think they know who they're writing for anymore uh, as much as they did. And and this is like local newspapers, not the big successful ones at the national level. Uh, we know our audience and, you know, we <clears> – <throat> you know, the number one stat about us is that one that Kevin Kate surveyed that says – 
you know, that Florida lawmakers read us before they read anything else. That we're their number one source. And so if you are a, a hospital company with legislation uh, before the House and Senate and you want to influence those 160 folks, the place to get your advertisements is in our newsletter or on our podcasts and so, or in our magazine or what have you. And so uh, we know our audience. We know who our advertising partners are. And because of people like you and all the team, we have really good content like that. I'm not to drone on about it, but we have a lot of content and we have a lot of really good content, especially in an era where everybody else is cutting back. That was my next thing. It's the Capitol Press Corps is now just a shadow of what it used to be during the heyday. We have newspapers shutting down their bureaus. Mm. We have we have no more commercial radio left here. We mm. you know, we basically have state employees covering government through the Florida Channel and through WFSU, and that's it for broadcast. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we're filling the gap. Is that our job? It's sad because I think it was Tom O'Hare, uh, Rosemary Goudreau's husband, uh, who would work for us on a, on a project we really liked, uh, Context Florida. He ended up writing a story about this is basically journalism for people who can pay for it, which is sad. You know, New Service of Florida is great product, but it's a subscription. Politico Florida, great product, but it's basically written for lobbyists. Um, Florida politics is supported by corporations and uh, uh, lobbying firms and public affairs firms. We're, you know, we don't have a paywall, um, and that's one of the things that I think differentiates us uh, from a lot of other things. But at the end of the day, this feels a lot like journalism. It's either state-owned journalism like you talked about or it is journalism for only for people who can pay for it. And and that makes me kind of sad. I wish I – wish, because here's the thing. The budget hasn't gotten smaller in your time here, right? We're at $91 billion, and there certainly are more – I'm amazed at how interesting – the political stories are. I mean, you know, Matt Gates is a story every four hours. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's a, you know, all of the national politics have a Florida angle and all of the campaigns are well-funded and battlegroundy. And so it isn't like, it's not like we're sitting around the assignment desk going, what do we cover today? Right. This is the epicenter of weird. I mean, if you're not finding odd stuff in Florida, you're just not looking. You're just not closely. looking. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, the Florida Man segment, of course, has always been one of the more popular on the show here. But you also do a podcast with your wife. Yes. And uh, are you comfortable with that? Is is it fun? It became fun. I was worried at first. Um, what if it didn't work? You know, and I had to go to my the person that I lay my head next to every night and say, hey, you know, tap you, on the shoulder. This isn't fired. working. <laughs> um, but I was driving up to Tallahassee in the early uh, days of that podcast, I was listening to it for the technical, you know, what can we do better, et cetera. Um, and I had to pull over and I told her, and it's true. She's a star. She, and it's not just because she's my wife, her voice, my voice is nasally. And I, I, you know, it's just not, I'm grading. She is just got this great voice, which, you know, that's the beauty uh, or that's one of your great talents is your voice is so inviting She's got that. She's got the intellectual curiosity. And so less of me on that podcast where I'm just kind of functioning as the point guard to her, uh, you know, to her LeBron, that podcast works that way. Okay. So you're up here today for USF Day talking to them about mass media. Yeah. What, what's your message for the kids at USF? Find find something other than journalism for a major? Yeah, no kidding. Um, it'll be interesting because my friend Sarah Bascom's on there. I would, I guess if I, when I get into these things and I, 
I wish panels paid because I really like them. Yeah. I love the give and take. I love the questions um, because what people care about is more important than what I want to tell them. But I will, I will preach many times about, and I will give them examples about things that they should be reading. I think that, <clears throat> I think that one of the um, disturbing trends that I see in Florida politics is how narrow our worldview is in terms of what we read. I'll ask people, are you reading even basic things like The Atlantic or Axios? Are you watching these things? And had they seen Andrew Sullivan, who was a great blogger who's now writing for New York Magazine? And and I'll be I'll be dis, I'll be disappointed because people will not have uh, will not have read these other things. And so I will I'll I'll hit that again and again about things that they should be watching, things that they should be reading. Gotcha. <coughs> Someday we'll put in a cough switch here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Peter, you have to get back to work. I have to get back to work. Anything you want to close out with? How are you liking this job? Uh, uh, here's your on-air, <laughs> you know, performance review. This this has been absolutely the most fun I've had in a long, long time because it's not commercial radio. I can write cop. When Steve Horsley was in town a few weeks ago, the NPR guy, yes, yeah. I was enthralled by the the his writing. He was able to put such imagery into radio copy. And you're doing commercial radio, you've got 30 seconds. Forget imagery. You can barely get in the basic facts. And this podcast is the same. It gives me a chance to actually write something and take people deeper into the story, which is something I've never been able to do. So I'm liking that. That's a heck of a lot of fun. Plus, we're a bit looser. I mean, I can say dirty words. I haven't really dropped the, the F-bomb yet, but we do the WTF. You're welcome to it. I, I appreciate that. But as an old radio guy, I just don't think it's ever going to happen. Well, let me say on air as kind of my close, uh, we really appreciate the job you're doing. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Peter Schorsch with FloridaPolitics.com on Sunrise. On the agenda today, the House Children, Families, and Senior Subcommittee meets at 930 in the House Office Building to talk about bills on welfare, adoption, and homelessness. The House Civil Justice Subcommittee meets at 930, also in the House Office Building. They're holding a one-hour workshop on alimony. Ooh, that should be fun. The House Higher Education and Career Readiness Subcommittee meets at 9.30. They're having a panel discussion on educational and career opportunities for students with disabilities. And the House Pre-K-12 Appropriations Subcommittee meets at 9.30. They'll be talking about teacher compensation with school superintendents from Jackson, Osceola, St. John's, and Sarasota counties. And time once again for the never-ending saga of Florida Man, or in this case, the Florida women who remind us they don't need no man to embrace the crazy. A Florida woman is facing a variety of criminal charges after being accused of trying to burn down a man's tent while he was trapped inside. 49-year-old Kelly Ann Barrett was busted by deputies in Pasco County after they responded to a call from the victim, and he was able to escape by dousing the flames with water from jugs he had stored inside the tent. He then grabbed the woman's cell phone and called 911. Finally, a Florida woman who handed out flyers for a homecoming party in Flagler County was arrested after deputies, well, they accepted her invitation. 18-year-old Kendall Rose Morgan was offering $2 shots and $4 mixed drinks, but the party only went on for about an hour before Lawman arrived. She denied having anything to do with it, but confessed when deputies showed Morgan her very own Instagram posts. She was already on probation and now faces additional charges of hosting an open house party and contributing to the delinquency of a minor. That's it for this edition of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee for Florida Politics. Back again tomorrow with a fresh batch of tomfoolery.